Welcome to Ennisbrook Church. We hope this message from our sex and location pastor, Jared Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at ennisbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Well, uh, good morning, everybody. How is everybody today? Feeling good? I'm feeling good. Uh, it's uh, Anzac Day, so uh, happy Anzac Day to everybody. Uh, day off tomorrow. Yeah, how good. Um, <clears throat> it's, it is so, so good to be here. And I just want to say to anyone that is here uh, for the first time, it is so good to have you with us if you're new to church. We're so uh, excited that you would be in church with us. And we pray that you know, today you just feel a part of this thing and that you could call the Annersbrook Church home. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jared Lieberzeit. And along with my amazing wife, Alicia, we're the location pastors here for our Saxton location. And uh, I have the absolute honor and privilege to share some thoughts uh, for you today as we come around the Word of God. Uh, anyone excited for the Word of God? Come on. Uh, listen, I want to share a message that I've uh, titled, and you can write this down in your notes. Uh, uh, this is the title of today's message, Why Am I Here? Why am I here? It's a question, really, isn't it? Yep, it is. Uh, listen, today I want to encourage, I want to encourage someone who maybe uh, doesn't, doesn't know where they fit in. Doesn't know where they fit in. Uh, Graham said before, our theme for the year is revival. And I want to encourage the person in the room that maybe has been uh, hearing this, has felt potentially encouraged by this theme over the past few while, but doesn't know or is asking the question, where do I fit in with all of this? What, what is my part in all of this? We believe that revival isn't just a nice theme, but it's actually something that we are believing for. As a church, it's something that we are actually believing to see, a move of God that brings things back to life, a move of God that creates an awakening, a move of God that, that creates a, a nation turning back to Him where there is an abundance of life and not just life as we know about life in Christ. What about this? We are believing that through this revival that there would be a group of people who are set on fire for the name of Jesus and for His amazing work. Revival is, is never intended to be something that we attend. It's not something that we go to on a Sunday. It's not a church service. You might have revival-like moments in a church service. We may experience it together. But revival, as we speak about it, is meant to be moving throughout our every day and our every moment. And for that to happen, guess what? Revival has to start in me. It has to start in you. It has to start within us and so we all have a part to play in this thing. Uh, I, I just think that some of us, we have not yet found our place in it. Um, we haven't found our place in it. I want to show you this photo um, up here on the screen of, of uh, this helicopter. This is a helicopter. Uh, and this person sitting there in the blue shirt with the, um, what are those pants called? Of chinos, chinos. That's me. I'm taking a photo uh, from this helicopter. Amazing, isn't it? I'm incredible. Um, <laughs> you can leave that up just for a second. For the first few years of mine and Alicia's marriage, we would go to people's weddings and take photos of their weddings. Um, well, not in a creepy way. They wanted us there. <laughs> they, they paid. They paid. There, was, there were contracts. There was everything. They, they wanted us 
there. Alicia, my wife, she was actually a self-employed photographer. She ran her own business. It was called The Love Collective. She was uh, very good at what she did and was actually like really sought after as a photographer. Still is, actually. Let me just say that. Um, she, was, she was good at what she did, and we would spend like every weekend of the summer going and photographing these weddings, like so, so many weddings. It was great. It was great money. Um, but as her husband, I obviously naturally was her first choice uh, to go and be her second shooter, her, her assistant. It ended up with me um, in situations like this, hanging out of a window uh, of a a door, sorry, of a helicopter taking a photo of a wedding party that was standing on a hill somewhere in, on the Tarkaka Hill of all places. Random. Uh, it was cool. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I got to eat food, got to go for rides in helicopters, you know, got to take photos. I don't think I was very good at taking photos to start off with, but then it ended up like getting better. Like I had some photos actually end up in some magazines. Um, Wild Tomato. No. <laughs> No, not even. It's actually just the Why Me Weekly. No, just a, that's so funny. Oh, but it, something changed though, okay? Because not every wedding was like that. And you can take that down now. I feel like it's just weird. The, the, something changed along the way. Something happened. And about two years into it, um, I just discovered that I actually bored at weddings. And uh, weddings just seemed to take a little bit too long. The day was too long for me. Uh, I wanted to enjoy my weekend. I didn't want to be at someone's uh, wedding. Uh, I just was like, I was just got to a point where I was just sick of it. And I didn't want to go to any more weddings with Alicia, okay? I haven't talked to anyone about this really. I'm just wanting to, I need your, I need your help. <laughs> But what would happen is it would, I would go to them if I had to go and assist Alicia at, at a wedding. I would go and it would, it would cause massive arguments. We'd have these fights on the way to like the ceremony. So romantic, you know, going to take photos of a couple and we were having these arguments because I was just angry about having to be there. And I remember asking her all the time, like, Alicia, like, I just don't feel like I have to be here. Like, why am I here? Why do I have to be here? We had some more conversations and they were quite lengthy conversations. Discovered that actually I didn't need her. Um, yeah, no. She, I quit. I actually quit. That's what happened. But listen, listen, listen. Here's what we realized. Okay, we realized that this whole thing, this photography thing, Alicia was really called to that. She still is, I think, called to it as well. She has a God-given gift to create things. She's so creative. Some of us are active resters. Some of us are resting resters. Others are creative resters. We just make things when we, that's what Alicia, that's what Alicia does. God had purposed her for this role. Like you should have seen her, man. She was amazing. She was incredible at her job. I was not incredible at it. Like it just was not my thing. It was her purpose, not mine. And so because I was kind of like faking it, living in someone else's purpose, I found myself asking the question, why am I here? What is the point of me being here? This just doesn't make sense to me. I don't feel like I fit here. It was her mission, not my mission. It was her mission and not mine. And I think that in life, if we haven't yet found our own personal mission, our God calling, or our God-breathed mission, we will continually be asking the question, why am I here? What am I here for? What is my part in this? And, and I'm talking about revival here. I'm talking about a move of God. I'm talking about your part in a, in a big, great move of God. Not just, hey, what job can I do? Or, or what will my career be? I don't think our lives should be made up of 
uh, doing things that our experiences lead us to. Or, or that kind of makes sense because of what our qualifications says. I don't want to do things in life because of what my CV says I should be doing. I don't even want to do things in life because my dad thinks I should be doing something. I want to do things in life because my heavenly Father has told me this is what I'm meant to be doing. This is the way I'm meant to be going. This is the life that I am supposed to be living. We all need to, we, we all need to find our mission. Have you found your mission yet? Have you found your mission I think um, today I, I want to just talk about some things or one main thing, one main person that I think we can find uh, our mission through. And I, I want us to just look at for a moment the mission that Jesus came with. I think that we can find our mission in life, our personal mission when we look to the mission that Jesus had, when we look to what he came to do. You know, Jesus, he never ever would have asked the question, why am I here he never would have asked, asked the question, what's, what is the point in this or the point of me being here? He came on mission. He had a plan. He was a part of a plan. He knew what his mission was and he never, ever questioned it. Luke 4 verse 42 says this. So that daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. They're like, Jesus, don't go. We want you to stay. We think you're amazing. We don't want to share you with anyone else. He's like, listen, I haven't come here to do what you want me to do. Like, he's like, I haven't come to go your way. I have a different way to go. So he replies and he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Because that is why I was sent. He is so confident in why he was sent. Not only did he know why he was there, he was also very clear about whose plan he was a part of. We read in John 5 verse 36, says this, Jesus speaking, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me, that I, am fr I have been sent. He knows who he's been sent from and he knows what he's been sent for. Sent to go and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, sent to go and preach to many people, sent to create disciples and to create followers, sent to heal the sick, to destroy the work of the devil, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. I love it. It's amazing. It's amazing. So he's, he's like, hey, listen, guys, I've got to go to all these other cities because I have to preach about the good news. Not only does he go and preach about the good news, but we also understand that he is the good news that he, he is the good news. So you can imagine him, and he did. He preached about things, and people didn't understand what he was talking about because they hadn't actually seen the fulfillment of what the good news actually looked like. So we have this Jesus who turns up, and he's preaching, and he's teaching, and he's doing all these amazing things. But not only is he just talking about it, he actually goes and he does it. These people wouldn't understand it, but his mission was to be more than just a teacher or a prophet or some man. He, he is the fulfillment of a promise of salvation for all of us, for God's people, but for every single person. He would go to the cross. He would die for us to cover our sins and then come back to life for us. He conquered the grave for us and everything that it represents so that we could have eternity with him and so that we could know a great life now as well, by the way. It affects us now. We can receive it and it can do a work in our life now. His mission was to proclaim the good news and was to complete the story of salvation. What a great mission. I think what's amazing is that as we look to that mission, 
His mission statement, I'm here to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. We find our mission. We find what we're here to do. See, check this out. Matthew 28, verse 18. So famous. This, this is what it says. Jesus came to them and said to the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. John 20, verse 21, another scripture, Jesus speaking. And he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Speaking to his disciples. He's saying, in the same way that the Father has sent me. I came from the Father. He's made that very clear. He says, this is what I've come to do. This is why I am sent. And guess what? In the same way that the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. In the same way that the Father has given me a plan, I am giving you a plan. What your part is and why you are here, this might sound weird and maybe strange, but you are here for the same reason that Jesus came. You're here for the same thing. See, his mission wasn't just for him. His mission was also for us. It was, it was for me and it was for, it was for you. Jesus' mission is my mission. Jesus' mission is your mission. You have been invited. We have been included. A revival that started with him 2,000 plus some years ago has to be now carried on and continued through our life and through our living from his request. And uh, this isn't just for the mature Christian either. This isn't just for the person who's kind of along, along, been along the journey for a, a decent amount of time. This is for every single one of us. This is for all people that believe in him. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, then revival is not something that you are excluded from. It isn't something that you just receive, but it is actually a mission statement that you get to carry and live out in your every single day. That's what we are here to do. Is that okay? Everyone okay with that? I want to share some thoughts, just a couple of thoughts, uh, things that will help us find our place in that mission. Okay? Uh, like, you know, we, we, we want to fit in with this thing. We don't want to just turn up to this thing, right? We want to know what our part is. What's, what's our place? How do I find my place in the mission that Jesus has for me, the thing that God is calling to me? The first thing is this. You have to create space or give time. Put it in brackets because I wanted to say both, but I, I really wanted to say create space, but I wanted to make sure that you knew it was about giving time. <laughs> when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, you, you can't help but notice that he had a lot of space in life during his time on earth. He had a lot of space. He wasn't the type of person or guy to just go and get busy doing things. We like that though. Eh? We, like to get, we, like, we like to do many busy things. We, we know like we constantly make ourselves busy. You go to the waiting room of like a dental clinic or a, or a you know, one thing that we just hate doing is waiting. You literally go to a waiting room where you're supposed to wait, but all we ever do is just like make ourselves busy. We get out our phone. You know, we like get on our emails or Instagram or trade me, you know, looking at boats or something like that. We like to just make ourselves uh, busy all the time. When I get busy, I start forgetting things. 
You know, like I just I start forgetting what I'm supposed to. I, I'm a pretty organized guy, I think, pretty good with details. But when I get too busy, uh, I know I'm too busy when I start forgetting stuff. It's like when you walk somewhere to get something. You ever done this? It's like, I've got to go get something from the garage or from another room. I've got to get a screwdriver or like a, a chisel. <laughs> I don't know what, what you're doing with a chisel. You go to the garage, but on your way to the garage, on your journey from wherever, say you're in the lounge to the garage, on your journey there, you get so distracted by things. I gotta do this other job. Oh, I have to clean that up. Oh, I, you know, I've gotta take the kids out later. Oh, I don't got work tomorrow. I got lots on tomorrow, man. I got things that are just going on. And before you know it, you're in the garage, but you got so distracted that you're just standing there in a room and you don't know why you're actually there. Have you ever done that? And you're just like, what did I come here for again? You find yourself asking the question like, why am I actually here? Like, what is this actually about? I think that when we get too busy in life, we, get, we, we start to lose focus on the job that we actually have been sent to do. We get too busy, we start to lose focus on what we're actually here for. There is a difference between being busy and being effective. <laughs> one of them, you do lots of things. You definitely do lots of things. But the other one, you get stuff done. You just get, you get stuff done. Jesus, man, he, he never got too busy for his mission. Never, ever got too busy for the mission that he had been called to. There's this moment in Matthew 14, we read about John the Baptist's death. He's beheaded. And, uh, and John the Baptist, he's, he's actually uh, recorded to be the cousin of Jesus, a close friend of Jesus. He's a clo- he is close in relationship to Jesus, right even before um, they were born. They were close in, in a way. It, it's kind of like out there. But when John the Baptist is beheaded, they bring John's head, it's kind of gruesome, to Elizabeth, John's mum. They show him to also the disciples and then the disciples take the news to Jesus and they let Jesus know what has happened. It's kind of a, it's a bit of a brutal moment for Jesus, I can imagine. And Matthew 14, verse 13, this is what happens. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Here he goes again. He's going off. He just wants to have a moment by himself or to have a moment with him and his father. He's going to have a moment with him and, and God. But hearing of this, of course, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. He turns up in the boat on his way and he sees a whole crowd of people and he can't help but have compassion and create space for them and give time for them. And, and give, I, I can imagine that Jesus is kind of going away because he feels a little bit vulnerable. Maybe he wants just a bit of time by himself. But when he sees these people, like his plans for that moment kind of go out the window and all of a sudden he's like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal to whatever you guys need dealing with. Like, let's do this thing. Then we read on in this moment and this actually gathering is where we see him do this incredible miracle where he feeds the 5,000. It's amazing. Can you imagine what it would have done? What would have happened if when Jesus arrived and saw all these people, he's just like, you know what, guys, I'm actually, I'm just a bit busy today. You know, guys, I'm in a season. He's like, I'm just in a season and I can't, I can't be a part of this. This is like, oh, I, I don't know. That's not what happens though. Like that's, that's not what goes down. We know he actually does give the time. Why would God, why would Jesus aim for people? He came for, for people. Jesus, he was all about just spending time with people. 
even if he had maybe a little bit on his plate, which he definitely did. He came to be the saviour of the world, but all along the journey, what did he do? He created time and space. He went to people's houses for dinner. He spent time with people. He walked with people. He journeyed with people. They were a part of his life. Listen, when we are wanting to create space for God's mission for our life, we have to create space for people in our life because God's mission for our life is not just about some great achievements or tasks. It's all about people. It's all about the ones that are in our life and around us. Why am I here? Ah, man, I've turned up and I've completely forgotten why I'm here. We need a reminder every now and then that everything we do as followers of Jesus Christ is about people and about giving them time. Have you got too busy for your mission? Have you gotten too distracted? Are you too busy to stop and, and talk to someone? You know, are you too busy to stop and, and encourage someone or, or pray for someone? When was the last time you were just able to just to give some time? To just give some resource? I don't, I don't know. Not, not just because you're busy and you've got busy things to get done, but because you have a mission to achieve. There are people around you that you need to be reaching. And I know like sometimes we can respond and be like, yeah, but Jared, I, I, can't, I can't do it. That's not my personality. Sometimes I, th- I think we're like, you know, ah, that's for some people, but I'm not that type of person. I, I just don't, I just don't, I'm not a people person. <laughs> yeah, I think that the call of God comes regardless of what our personality is. That, in fact, I mean, I know that the call of God is outworked in our personalities in very unique ways. That's how God works. He has unique plans and purposes for every single one of us. But for all of us, we, we, we have been handpicked by Him for this. We have been chosen. He said that He is sending us just as the Father has sent him, that this is not just about the person to the left or the right of you or the person that maybe it suits or looks good on. It is for every single one of us, for all of us, we're all called to this mission to create space and give time. And I think that sometimes we like to say we can't do it, but the actual truth is we don't really want to do it. Brings us to our second thing when it comes to finding our place in the mission that Jesus has for us, it takes surrender. It takes a surrender. You're saying you can't do it, but the truth is, is that you won't surrender to it <laughs> or you won't give everything over to it. Oh man, I'll, I love it on a Sunday, but I can't let it affect my Monday because I might look like a weirdo. <laughs> oh, you know, I might, might send off certain vibes. I don't know if I want to do that. Proverbs 3 verse 6 says, submit to the Lord. Surrender to the Lord and He will make your path straight. Can I just grab the uh, band up? That'd be amazing. We have been sent to continue the work of Jesus. We have been sent to continue His work. You haven't been sent to necessarily die on a cross like He, he was sent to do. That's not, that's not our role. But Jesus did say something very clearly to take up our cross and to follow Him. To take up our cross. And when you take up the call of the cross, I believe it requires a laying down of your life. But we take up our cross it is an action of surrender, of handing over, of saying, yeah, you know what, God, this is yours. You know what, God, my life is yours. The gift is yours. What I am doing here, this is, this is all yours. And um, I think it's about having a faith in God that says, Jesus, no matter what happens, you are in control. You are in control. I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I will say what you want me to say. I think some Christians, we, we, we're still trying to figure out why we're here uh, simply because we haven't yet been able to surrender to the call that God has for our lives. Because we haven't been able to 
actually just hand ourselves over to it. Not willing to. I don't know. Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's a, an insecurity. Maybe there's a sense of, I don't have the authority. Jesus actually sent the disciples out to go and make disciples, to go and make disciples, to go and change the world, to go and preach the gospel, to go and baptize people because he had received and been given all authority in heaven and earth. So it's never a question of authority on your life. You have the authority because Jesus has all authority over everything. So never ever question if you have enough or if you are enough or if you've got what it takes. He is actually giving you what you need for what He's calling you to. God never ever calls you to anything that He's not going to equip you for. He will always provide a way for you. I never ever actually really wanted to be a preacher. That's kind of like, you're like, yeah, that's what every preacher says. But like public speaking is really not a fun thing. It's, it's quite a, it's kind of like an uncomfortable, like it just makes some people feel quite uncomfortable and uh, definitely makes me feel uncomfortable. I remember at school, I was, I was that dude who like avoided speech day, especially in my college years. I think I was okay in primary because I was like, didn't really know what's going on. But in college, oh my gosh, in English class, when it came to speeches, no way. I remember in year 12, there was an option to film your speech instead of speak it out loud. And I was like, heck yes, that's me. So I filmed it. Didn't realise that what they were going to do with it was actually just take the film that you've made and play it in front of the class with you in the room, which turns out to be a hang of a lot worse than speaking. You never want to watch yourself speak, you know, with everyone in the room. It was like you say something weird and everyone was like looking, you know, it's just like, it was, it was odd, but uh, yeah, yeah, yuck. Ugh, public speaking, you know, it's just awful. But I remember when I was 14, um, I, had, I was asked to actually preach for the first time. First time I ever spoke. Spoke at um, this, oh, it was Ignition. It was called Ignition. It was our like, intermediates program that we ran. It was in the ALC classrooms. And uh, I, I had this chance to speak. I was supposed to speak for seven minutes and I spoke for 14 minutes. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. Listen, someone gave me some really strong feedback at the end. They said, man, you preach like your dad. You really waffle. Not a joke. And I took it as a compliment. I took it as a compliment. I seriously did. I was like, yes, got a lot of content, you know. Um, that person no longer goes to our church, by the way, so don't worry about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was this girl who was supposed to preach after me. It was kind of like a tag team thing. They didn't even let her preach. It wasn't enough time. That's, that's what happened. Oh, so bad. Oh, man. But I remember they being asked to preach and everything in me just, oh, I wanna say no. You know, like, I don't wanna do this. No way. I remember freaking out about it. I remember the shaky voice. I remember the mumbling that I would struggle. I struggled to just, you know, get words out all the time. Like my mind would go slower than my mouth at times. Sentence, I'd be fine myself saying things and not knowing what I'm actually gonna say next because I just haven't been able to think that fast. You know, I still have to deal with that sometimes, but I just don't care as much now, it's okay. I remember finishing that moment and that, that night and, and thinking like, that was awful. I don't know, I don't ever want to do that again. But I remember driving away knowing that it was actually going to be, no matter what I wanted or what I thought was right for my life or what worked for me, it was actually gonna be something that I would do for the rest of my life. It was something that would probably be a part of my everyday living for, for whatever. And I remember like a year later, I had another opportunity, opportunity to preach. Maybe six months after that, another opportunity, you know, and then like another six months and then I find yourself preaching a little bit more. And, 
you know, it keeps, keeps happening. And every single time I remember being asked to preach, even say this week, you know, asked to come and preach and something in me feels so uncomfortable. And so like, I don't really know if I want to, but I can't say no. If you asked me to photograph a wedding, I would definitely say no. If you asked me to teach a class full of students, there's no way I would do that. If you asked me to go and run a marathon, I mean, you know, no, I wouldn't say yes to that. But if you asked me to come and preach or to be a part of leading someone to Jesus, I'm all in. I can't say no. I have to say yes. I've surrendered to the calling. I decided that it's what I was gonna do. That is where I was gonna go. And so now, no matter how uncomfortable it makes me feel, I just have to say yes. And the amazing thing is that it makes me feel uncomfortable. And so I know that it deserves my yes because God would never call me to something that just leaves me in the same place. He calls me to something that forces me to grow and go to another level and get better and to learn more and to study and to be equipped and to step into something new. Listen, what you're being called to, it should make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's a confirmation that it's God who's calling you, not just your great idea. And and it might make you feel uncomfortable for a long time. Oh, it's, it's, it, it just, it may not ever go away, but that's okay. Because it means that no matter how good you think you might be getting at what you do, you will always need to lean on and trust in God and as part of the mission, that, as a part of the mission that you are out working. That's why it's called the Great Commission, by the way. It's a co-mission. It's a partnership. It's a mission that's shared. It's Jesus sharing His mission with you. He came to proclaim the good news of the Gospel, of the Kingdom of God, and we have been sent to do the same. He had a task to complete. He was sent not just for some good times, but He was sent for the good news, to be the good news. He knew what it was gonna take. He knew the price that He was gonna have to pay, the sacrifice that was gonna have to be made. What He was gonna have to go through was massive, but He always decided, I'm gonna continue my work. I'm gonna press on. I'm gonna lean in. I'm gonna keep going. He never ever gave up. And every single one of us in this room, listen to me, we all have a task. We all have something that God is calling us to. I wanna know what is God asking you to do today? What do you feel is on your heart? What is God calling you to in this moment right now? We need to be a people that maybe are willing to get a little bit uncomfortable for the work of Jesus. A little bit uncomfortable for where He is, where He's calling us to. Like what? Like when you're in, when you're in the supermarket, and it's always the supermarket and the Holy Spirit speaks to you to go and talk to someone or, or reach out to someone or, or pray for someone. Like, are you willing to get uncomfortable and say yes to that call? When we feel to share Jesus with someone, are we willing to get uncomfortable to say yes to that call? When we, when we kind of feel like we maybe should just go and spend time with someone, pick up the phone and make a call and encourage someone. Like, 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 like maybe we should start a connect group or serve on a dream team or find our place in church. It makes us feel uncomfortable, but I believe that God is calling us to all of these things. You know, there's this amazing story and I'm about to finish and, and we'll pray to finish, but it's a story of this person in our church that a couple of weeks ago, the week before Easter, invited someone uh, to church and they were driving, they were just driving down the road and felt this Holy Spirit 
leading. A, ho- a holy, the voice of the Holy Spirit almost just speak to them. And, and they saw this person and thought, there seems to be something like wrong with this person. They, do, they just don't look okay. And so this person just, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe they felt uncomfortable, maybe not. They just decided, you know what, I'm just gonna do it. Pulled over while they were driving, pulled over, stopped on the way to wherever, the, wherever they were going and started a conversation with this person and started it by just saying, hey, are you okay? The person was like, no. This, this guy then proceeded to send an invitation to this person right then and there, face to face, to come to our Easter service. They came to our Easter service for the first time, had an amazing experience in church, but also had an encounter with Jesus. And I just think, I wonder where that person would be right now if, if that guy didn't, didn't feel comfortable or wasn't willing, excuse me, to get uncomfortable for the mission that Jesus was calling him to. Imagine if Jesus wasn't willing to get uncomfortable to go and to minister to these people as He arrived on the shore, this crowd of people. Imagine if Jesus wasn't willing to get a little bit uncomfortable and go to the cross for us. Imagine what that would mean for us personally. We wouldn't have what we have. We wouldn't know the freedom that we know. We wouldn't have the life that we have. And imagine if you weren't willing to get uncomfortable for the person that doesn't yet know what revival looks like or hasn't experienced the grace and the love of Jesus. Imagine if we as a people could just get uncomfortable for the lives of those that are around us to create space for people even when it feels like it doesn't make sense because I am so busy and then to just surrender to what God is calling us to do and what God is calling us to say. Revival is not just a meeting. It isn't just a Sunday. It is carried out through our living and our every day. You are here to live out His mandate, to serve others, to seek and save the lost, to just as He did, destroy the work of the devil and to represent who God is in our everyday life. So I wanna finish and I just wanna pray really quickly for anyone in the room who uh, maybe you haven't found your mission yet. I wanted to encourage you in finding your place within our amazing move of God that we're a part of. But right now, I think we should pray for anyone who just is like, you know what, I don't know what my mission is. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. Right now, if you are here today and you would love me to pray for the mission, for the call to be strong, for God's voice to be clear. You wanna know what the mission is that God is calling you to? I would love to just pray for you. If you're here today and you would love me to pray with you, why don't you just go ahead and raise your hand right now, if that's you. Amazing, incredible. Amazing. Every hand that's been raised, just God is, God sees you, God knows, God has a plan, He has a purpose, He has a pathway for you. Incredible. So many people searching for a mission. God wants to give it to you. He wants to show it to you right now. Father, I pray for every hand raised, for every heart right now that is opening up to you. Lord, I pray as they create space in this moment that God, you would show up in their world. Holy Spirit, I pray for your voice just to come in a still way. Lord, come as they sit in their seat, speak to them about the next step, speak to them about their part. Lord, we don't wanna let this go by and 
and, and miss it. We don't want to miss this moment. We want to be a part of it. Lord, I, I just pray right now, Lord, that there would be an indication, a green light, Lord. There would be like road signs right now directing someone. Say, give us, give us a yes, Lord. Give us the, give us the way to go, Lord. We, we submit right now to You and know that as we do, You make our path straight. You lead us and guide us. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that You would fill every heart and every life. Lord, to not just see revival, to not just watch it go by, but to be a part of it because revival has to start within us. And so God, we thank You for that. And God, we just receive it and we believe it in the mighty Name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Let's just uh, take a moment. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.